This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. And everybody, what's going on? Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus, the CTO, coming to us live from the Winnipeg Sports Talk Control Center. Got a big show today. Mike McIntyre is going to join us, and we'll also bring in our pal Ryan Brandt for some chat on some of the, the beautiful game, kind of crazy sports business news with this Super League. We'll find out more about that um, focusing on the Jets a few days off before getting after it against the Toronto Maple Leafs later on this week. Coming off an unfortunate way to start the homestand, being shut out by the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night. As always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is brought to you by our great sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake. Um, let's get to it. Michael Remus, what's going on? How are you doing, my friend? How was the weekend? Us, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for uh, having me here. Uh, you know what? Actually, you know what? It was an okay weekend. It, the weather kind of sucked. Saturday was good. Uh, yesterday, not good. But uh, you know what? Uh, winter's over for me. I just got my uh, my winter tires off, so I can turn the page now. It's it's officially done now it's, that the tires have changed? Yeah, exactly. Tires are changed. Mm-hmm. I'm looking back. Thankfully, I didn't have them off uh, last week when we had that uh, <laughs> blizzard. But uh, we're good now. We had the Jets game Saturday, earlier start. Also had a great Saturday night watching the Jake Paul uh, event. Oh, and we'll uh, that later on for sure. Baseball throughout the weekend. Nothing uh, nothing too, uh, too wild, though. But, yeah, weekend's always good. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, we had some great news today um, for Manitobans. I mean, we've been seeing what's happening in Ontario and Alberta and BC right now. And I think everyone was, you know, very and it's still legitimately quite concerned about where we're going with the uh, with the virus. But great news. People over 40 can get vaccinated now with the AZ shot at local pharmacies. And um, it sounds like a ton of people have taken them up on that already, including getting appointments as early as today and i believe mike mcintyre is one of those guys so uh oh we'll find out more about that with mike and uh, of course we'll get into the jets game against the edmonton oilers on saturday night ream uh you know, we talked about this on friday i was getting after it with dusty in the lock shop discussing this game and i didn't want any part of this one um because you know the jets had been playing very well you thought that they'd you know be up for a game like this but there's also the, and I still have no idea why this is the case, but it just does seem, you know, it doesn't matter how well a team is playing on the road, you come back for that first game at home and there's a bit of a, a, bit of a drop-off. And unfortunately, the Jets just weren't, um, they they weren't their best on, on Saturday night. What can I say? There's been a few rough Hockey Night in Canada games as well for the Jets this year, to be honest. Um, but, um, you know, another loss to Edmonton. And, you know, for all of the great results they've had against the rest of the teams in the division, including the Toronto Maple Leafs, considering that this is a likely first-round playoff matchup, um, Jets still have some work to do to try to get one over on the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but against um, Edmonton, Mike Smith the last couple of games has looked like uh, a great, it looked like the Mike Smith of a couple of years ago when he took the Coyotes uh, deep in the playoffs. Um, I don't know what it is for the Jets. Uh, they can't seem to generate chances. You look at the high danger chances, they simply weren't there. There were a couple. 
Um, and all you need is like one mistake. You know, Kyle Connor follows McDavid behind the net, and I think him and Shafley, that's the play everyone's talking about. Him and Shafley were kind of mixed up. Shafley was covering the boards. Connor's covering the guy in front. Whoops, you know, leaves Pliarvi, goes to McDavid. Pliarvi's open for like a split second. Puck's on his stick and in the net, and that was the, you know, the second goal. It was 3 nothing. but the Jets, you know, they're not going to win if you can't score goals, but you got to find a way to stop McDavid. They had a couple on the power play. Uh, you got to stay out of the box there. I feel like the recipe for beating Edmonton seems so easy. Just shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Isn't it? They got <laughs> not a very deep team, but easier said than done. All you, again, all you need is like take your eye off the puck for one second, and they make you pay. So, uh, you know, I don't. I have no question that uh, you know, I don't doubt the Jets are able to beat Edmonton. But what three in a row now for Edmonton over the Jets? And I know yeah. a lot of a lot of people are like having flashbacks to uh, the eighties now with Gretzky <laughs> and no, now the twenty no, tens with no. McDavid. Is that you have those feelings when you see McDavid? Uh, I you know, I have heard a couple people mention that and listen, if if we get to the playoffs and it's uh it it ends in the wrong way quickly, I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I don't put too much into one game. Um and you know, honestly you think back to those other two games, the two consecutive regulation losses I actually liked the way they played in those games I thought they had you know comparable to you know some of their better defensive performances of the season um it was just as you mentioned I mean not all chances are created equal and ones that happen to be given to 97 and 29 uh, are going to get converted a heck of a lot more than a mere mortal in the National Hockey League so um, you know, as I said, we've got a couple more games against Edmonton, and the ones that will really count will be coming up in the postseason. Um, but nevertheless, Edmonton, I think, has some confidence against Winnipeg right now. And I, I got to tell you, Reem, Mike Smith has been, I mean, he really has saved the Oilers' season because you've talked about the lack of depth. You can only, you know, you can only squeeze so much out of a couple players at the top, but, um, I believe the Jets have five goals in their last four games against Edmonton, and Mike Smith has been a big, big part of that. Hard to believe the guy's 39 years old. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's been great. I thought, you know, Smith and Koskinen coming to the, you know, coming to the season, these aren't guys that are going to get it done. And Koskinen, he got the uh, contract, but uh, he doesn't seem like he's the guy. Mike Smith, you know, we were joking how Edmonton and... <laughs> Calgary just swapped goalies uh, last year. Talbot for Smith didn't solve any of their goalie problems, but Talbot's having success now with Minnesota, and Smith's having success in Edmonton. Um, so I, I didn't see this one coming. I thought Smith was kind of done, but he's looked great, especially against the Jets. But I was looking at natural stat trick and their high-danger chances of the Jets. Like, it said they only had one. Uh, I thought they had maybe one or one or two more. Maybe I don't know how to calculate a high-danger chance, but either way, Edmonton had way more. They were giving up a couple breakaways. Uh, Hellbuck kept them in, and you know he had the big stops on Chase on and Yamamoto, uh, who were all in all alone. Um, you know the Jets had a couple chances, but it just wasn't enough to get one past Mike Smith. Yeah, Paula Dett with a great comment. The Jets just kept shooting the puck uh, in against Smith. He's too good at handling the puck behind the net. Um, and again, we all know Connor Hellebuck is the backbone of this hockey club and has been you know the MVP for the last couple seasons. The one thing that Hellebuck is not in the elite category is is puck handling. And, man, when you see somebody that can do the things Mike Smith does, and I think about it at the same time when I watch Mikhail Burden with the Manitoba Moose, um, you realize just how, how much of a difference maker that can be 
especially in situations where, you know, the team is sort of dumping, trying to, you know, maintain or get puck possession in, you know, in the offensive zone. Uh, can go back the other way very quickly if you don't put it in the right place against a guy like Mike Smith. Oh, yeah, and he's, uh, I think he scored a goal before. I mean, this guy's an elite puck handler. I know a lot of Jets fans, when they see Hellebuck leave the net, they're like, no, no, stay, please stay in there. That's where you're <laughs> best at stopping the puck. He's determined to go handle it. Um, he's a, I mean, not his strength, but, I mean, when you can save uh, the pucks like he can, uh, you don't need to be the best, but it is, you know, it's like, it is, they do say it's like having an extra D back there when you got a guy like Mike Smith who can break the puck out or go stop it. Uh, and that's kind of makes me, you know, it's another topic, but I wish they would get rid of this dumb, uh, dumb trapezoid for that reason, but uh, he does add a little another dimension, Mike Smith. Well, we'll uh, talk about the game with Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes, and at the end of the program, we will address the incident that took place after Saturday's game. You may have heard me on the Zoom call unexpectedly. Well, unexpectedly for many of us. So um, we will play that for you and touch on that at the end of the program here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Hey, Reem, before we get to Mike, um, one of the other, to me, the stories of the weekend was um, a pretty awesome story last night in Vancouver. The Canucks haven't played in almost three and a half weeks. We knew that they were sort of being rushed into play. didn't feel ready to do it on Friday. So they finally take to the ice Sunday night against the Maple Leafs, undermanned, come back from a 2-0 deficit and beat the Maple Leafs in overtime. Tyler Myers played 30 minutes in the game coming off a three-and-a-half-day break. Um, who knows what's going to become of the Vancouver Canucks season, but i got to tell you, that was, that was a great story, and it doesn't matter who you're cheering for. Um, you had to feel good for that Vancouver squad after all that they've been through. Yeah, I didn't bet on this game, but coming in, I was like, I got to put bet on on the Leafs. There's no chance Vancouver is winning this game. They've been off. They haven't practiced. They've all been sick. Some of them had IVs. There is zero chance Vancouver is going to win. And uh, this is why they play the games, Huss. Vancouver, not only did they uh, you know, have a great showing, they were in there. Uh, Braden Holtby making maybe the save of the year. We've all seen the gif of him like rolling on his back. Like, oh, that save scissor, was insane. Like, scissor kicking a floating Wayne Simmons puck. Uh, unbelievable. Tyler Myers, 30 minutes? Like, uh, he didn't even play that uh, when, with the Jets. So, uh, well done, Vancouver. Bo Horvat with the winner. Uh, incredible performance. When everyone uh, was counting them out, um, you know, look, they uh, they got those extra days off. Obviously, uh, they needed it, and credit to them, and... Uh, Jack Campbell, uh, if you sold high on his rookie card last week at like a hundred bucks, <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well. I think I think that thing has gone down uh, quite a bit since. And now Leafs fan, we're so Leafs were so sure they had their guy, maybe not as sure anymore. Well, I, that's why they gave up the third round pick for Big Save Dave. I think the jury's still jury is still out on uh, on a lot of things when it comes to the blue paint with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but at least they've got that security blanket. And you know who knows what's happening with Freddie Anderson. One other hockey topic we should get to, and I'm sure I'll get Mike's take on this as well. Reem, tonight, Patrick Marlowe passes Gordy Howe for all-time NHL games played leader. 41 years old, pushing 1,800 games. Um, It's been interesting hearing people discuss whether Patrick Marlowe is a Hall of Famer. Um, I don't think he was ever elite enough to be, you know, based on, like, the height of his career. But at the same time, when you're talking about a 20-plus career season and passing a record held by someone like Gordie Howe, 
um, you know, he'll certainly get con- uh, get some consideration down the road. But um, pretty incredible longevity for Pat Marlowe, who will, will break that record tonight. Yeah, he's been steady. He's never been one of the, he's never been like a top, top guy. He's never going to be a guy you take in your first round of your fantasy league. But he's been very good uh, for his entire career. He's played on Team Canada at the Olympics. I mean, he's he's been to a Stanley Cup final with San Jose. Um, I don't know if, yeah, he's he's elite, but... I think based on, you know, the longevity, he has, you know, I think if you get named to a Team Canada Olympic team, you're one of the best players in the league. So he's definitely, the way that the NHL Hall or the Hockey Hall of Fame is, I think he'll probably get there eventually. But I don't know if he's like a lock. But yeah, he's been a very good player a long time. And um, amazing to see us. That's pretty incredible. Most games played. You don't really think of him like that. We also have to wonder... How many more games he would have played if he didn't go through what, like two lockouts and a shortened season? So it could be, could be even more. Well, the funny thing is, is that you know Gordy Howe also played like what three, four seasons in the WHA. So he had pro games. It's it is truly stunning, and you wonder whether this is the end of the road for Marlowe this season, or maybe he thinks he's still got some uh, some gas left in the tank. We'll get to it all coming up with Mike McIntyre, and as I mentioned, Ryan Brand's going to join the program a little bit later on. Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is always brought to you by our friends at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not Team? Pop down and see them in their incredible selection of Tesla vehicles and so much more at Waverly and McGilvery. And if you're in a lease that you'd like to get out of or looking to move on from a current vehicle, talk to them about their very successful consignment program to get you top dollar for your vehicle. Pop down, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at not.ca. And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza. I went by, actually met DQ Nick on the weekend for a uh, beer outside on the patio, safe, outdoors. Uh, it was just great to be back there. People seemed to be having a good time before the hockey game. Um, and, of course, we had the pizza pairs there and called our shot. You can do that. Any Molson product, any pizza pairs order, you'll get a contest ballot. You can win instant Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-made outdoor rink for next hockey season in your backyard, or even a VIP NHL experience. So uh, it's always a great day for Boston Pizza. Tell them that the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, let's get to some hockey talk and welcome in our good friend from the Winnipeg Free Press, Mike McIntyre. Mike, what's good? How's the weekend, buddy? The weekend was good, and uh, Monday is off to a terrific start, Huss. The best news of this Monday, I'm getting vaccinated this afternoon. Uh, wow, oh, so you believe in that stuff, eh? Interesting, <laughs> that's good. No, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Manitoba. Of course, the big big news earlier today is they lowered the eligibility to 40 and up uh, for the AstraZeneca vaccine. And uh, I managed to uh, snag a 3.30 uh, vaccination this afternoon. So looking forward to getting jabbed. And, hey, uh, let, me, let me ask you this for folks that you know, were just learning about this today or hearing about it. Um, um, what did you do? How difficult was it to uh, get signed up? It was an absolute breeze. Uh, the government of Manitoba, they actually have a... Uh, on their website, you can go and see every pharmacy, every every medical clinic in Winnipeg, uh, in Manitoba, in fact, that has vaccine as we speak. And um, so I actually just picked the closest pharmacy to my house, which is about three minutes away, uh, called them up. They said, absolutely, we have vaccine. We have uh, appointments. When do you want to come in? Uh, anytime between 3.30 and 6.00. So, and then they said, if you know other people 
40 and up who want to come, by all means, let them know. So I have a cousin who's uh, who's 50. Uh, she's actually going to come with me uh, to get vaccinated. My wife is a frontline worker. She got vaccinated uh, and her second dose a few weeks back. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great news. And my it's a happy day to see my social media feed. Twitter, Facebook is filled with people that I know personally who are in that 40 and up range who have all secured appointments, whether it's today uh, or in the next few days. So a lot of uh, a lot of happy folks out there. And I guess the quicker we can get these needles in arms, Huss, maybe the quicker we can return to uh, some sense of of, uh, of normalcy here in society. Well, absolutely. I mean, again, I mean, I know people have different viewpoints and whatnot on all this. To me, just this is the pathway of how we're going to get back into stadiums and back into hockey right. arenas and back out at the ballpark this year. So the sooner, the better. Um, Jets made it back home on the weekend. Uh, you know, part of part of me thinks you could almost see this coming, um, but it, it was a disappointing um, result for the club, particularly considering where Edmonton is right now in the standings. Um and just not a lot of things going well for the Jets. And, and, you know, to be honest, full disclosure, I talked before the game about how effective the penalty kill and how important the penalty kill had been recently going in. I think back to that five-on-three, down one nothing against Toronto that really in a lot of ways sort of turned around the game or at least gave the Jets the opportunity to get back in it. Um, but as far as the uh, the game on Saturday, just not the same sort of jump that, um, you know, but, but sometimes you see that from teams coming off a long, long time on the road. It's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, that you know, you, you hear the term scheduled loss. Uh, some people in sports circles will throw that out. To me, Huss, and I'm not making excuses for the Jets, that was a pretty putrid effort on their on their part. That felt like a scheduled loss to me. Uh, you could see it coming from a mile away. Um, I mean, Paul Maurice was already sort of trotting it out even before the game, 17-22 and 22 on the road. Uh, and the Jets had played some pretty good hockey uh, as of late, uh, you know, punctuated by that effort on Thursday night in Toronto. It just felt like they were due for a letdown. And, you know, the guys coming home, they hadn't seen their families barely for the last month or whatever longer, really. Um, they know they had a big break coming up. The break that got extended by another day, of course, with the news on Friday that they wouldn't play uh, the Leafs on Wednesday this week. That would be pushed to Thursday. So these guys knew they had time off coming. You know, they're probably dealing with all the usual things that you deal with when you come back off a long road trip. And it just felt like if ever there was a game that was kind of going to get overlooked, uh, it was that one. Now, you don't, you, you'd like to, to think that these guys are pros and that they could overcome that, but they're human beings. And so I'll give them a pass. I won't judge them too harshly by what went down. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's that time of year where we probably should caution against maybe getting too high. Uh, and a lot of people were really high after that win. Uh, against the Leafs, you know, a pretty dominant victory on Thursday, but also avoid getting too low. I mean, this is the home stretch of a unique regular season. Um, and, you know, they, they want to obviously be playing their best hockey as they get set going into the playoffs. So I won't read too much into it. I will, however, I guess, say that there's some reason for concern that the team that they're very likely to play in the first round has now beat them four straight times in regulation, that being the Oilers. And maybe most uh, 
alarming is that the Jets have only scored five goals in those four games. You know, I think when we talk about the Oilers, I, I often talk about, well, their weakness is their blue line and their goaltending, that they should be able to be exploited. For whatever reason, four games in a row now, uh, the Oilers have, have been able to put the clamp on the Jets, and they only have two more regular season games left next week to maybe try and get it figured out before they really start to count. Well, I, I, I'll say this, and I mentioned this to Remus right off the top. I mean, we focus so much on Dreisaitl and McDavid for obvious reasons, but I mean, maybe the biggest story in Edmonton this season is Mike Smith and what yeah. he's done in the net for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, kind of turn him back the clock, right? A guy that I think a lot of folks maybe thought was washed. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you had asked a lot of Oilers fans, they probably thought Nico Koskinen at this point would probably be the guy. Koskinen's an afterthought now. Mike Smith is having a terrific season. He's had a few bumps in the road uh, this year, but you know what? Connor Hellebuck's had a few rough nights as well. Uh, I think with the unique schedule, the compact nature of it, uh, teams are going to lay eggs every now and then, right? I look at Boston. I mean, what did they get blown out 8-1 a couple weeks back? Like, you're going to have nights where you just don't have anything in the tank. And you're probably going to end up being made to look foolish. But the Oilers, to their credit, and I think this comes from a, a head coach who's a proven winner. Uh, we know Dave Tippett. I mean, look at what he was able to get out of some of those Arizona teams, right? Didn't have a whole lot of talent. He's got a hell of a lot more to work with with these Oilers. But he's got them playing a, a defensively responsible game. And, you know... We, I'm not sure how they're doing it, putting Dreisaitl and McDavid together on a line. You'd think that that would leave the opportunity to exploit the rest of that roster. And yet, you know, the Jets haven't been able to do that uh, so far. Uh, and as I said, they, they better try and figure that out by the time we hit mid-May, uh, where they potentially are going to have to beat these Oilers four out of seven if they want to move on. Yeah, no, there's no, uh, there's no question about that. The results are going to need to change if they do want to uh, play deep into the postseason. And it's hard to imagine, you know, not having to go through the Edmonton Oilers right. in the playoffs. I mean, right now, Mike, the way we're looking, and especially with the results of the weekend, it's, it does seem more and more likely that the two-three matchup is going to be Winnipeg and Edmonton. And in some ways, these teams, I think, will be still feeling each other out in those final two games before we get to a best-of-seven. Although, I'll say this, Huss. I mean, if if the Leafs don't get their act together here, and they've lost four in a row, a couple of them in in, uh, in overtime, uh, it, maybe Edmonton ends up passing both Winnipeg and Toronto and taking first, right? And maybe we get a Leafs-Jets first-round matchup as the two, three, um, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. I guess the Jets also could get hot here. They do have Toronto, uh, you know, a few more times. Maybe the Jets could could pass the Leafs and they get first. Uh, I ran a, a Twitter poll a couple of weeks ago, had almost 3,000 respondents. And I asked uh, my Twitter followers, who would you like to see the Jets play in the first round? Maybe not surprisingly, I think 55%, so the majority said Montreal. Uh, that's uh, the fourth place team. Uh, they are a team, though, Montreal, that the Jets have had some issues with in the past. Not so much this season, but historically. But, you know, so if you're the Jets, I don't know that it matters all that much, first, second, or third. Um, you're going to have to beat two of Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal to get out of this division. Um 
and I guess the order that you face them, does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? I will say this, though, Huss. Would the Jets be better off finishing third and starting the series on the road? These guys are road warriors. They, they have the best road record in the NHL. And, you know, there really is no home ice advantage this year with no fans other than the ability to have last change. But for whatever reason, Paul Maurice and company have actually played better when they don't have the last change. You, you almost wonder sometimes if they overthink it when they're on home ice. Uh, so maybe finishing third, you know, if, if the Jets end up falling behind Edmonton and Toronto, maybe that's not the worst thing for a team that thrives on the road. No, no, I, I'm with you. And I think the 55% that were voting for the Habs were both voting for the matchup, but also voting that they want to see the Winnipeg Jets win the North. And, you know, I am with you. You know, in a Winnipeg-Edmonton series, I have, don't really think that home ice will, will matter very much. Um there is that carrot of, of winning the division, the one year the yeah. Canadian teams are going head-to-head. I mean, I think that, that that banner would be more meaningful than any other division banner that would be up in any other NHL rink just because of the unique nature of what everyone's been through this year. Yeah. But at the same time, once you drop the puck on the Stanley Cup playoffs, not a lot of that is really going to matter, Mike. It'll all be in the rearview mirror, and everyone will have a clean slate everybody's record goes to zero and zero uh, come mid-May. So you're right. Uh, you know, and, and again, you look at the, the lineups that they've dressed here. I mean, the Oilers, they're without Nugent Hopkins right now. The Jets without Blake Wheeler. Uh, when they beat Toronto last week, Toronto without Austin Matthews. They don't have Nick Felino. Like, again, I'd caution against reading too much into game 45 or 46 of what's been a really unique, compacted regular season. Uh, but, and I think a few Jets have said this, you don't want to limp into the playoffs where then you have to flip the switch. We kind of saw that around here, didn't we, Huss? Uh, a couple years ago when the Jets limped into the playoffs against the St. Louis Blues and got you know, run over by a Mack truck, a team that was the opposite of limping into the playoffs. They were flying into the playoffs and they carried that all the way to a Stanley Cup victory. So uh, you know, these last 11 games, it's going to be a chance to try and get your game where you want it to be. And I think aside from the other night's stinker, the Jets like where their game has been as of late. Uh, they're getting Blake Wheeler back. They'll work Jordy Ben probably into the lineup here a little bit. We might get another look or two at Ville Hainala. And, and you'd like to sort of optimize what your best 18 skaters and how they'd be configured would be going into the into the pre or postseason. The other thing, of course, stay healthy, right? You'd hate to see a guy get hurt here in these last 11 games, especially if it's a significant player. So I think you got to keep that in the back of the mind as well. Everybody wants to stay healthy. Yeah, no, and, and you know what? Thinking back to Saturday, uh, I mean, like I was on talking with Kelly and John Shannon beforehand. We were talking about Wheeler, and I was totally, and I still am totally on board if they want to give Wheeler another couple days off. I mean, right. you want the captain to be as healthy as he possibly can be when they just start the playoffs. Although I can't help but now, you know, retrospective looking back at that game last night, the uh, the jolt of having Blake Wheeler back in the lineup might have been very helpful to a Winnipeg Jet team that was sort of looking for a spark for the majority of 60 minutes. So let me ask you a, a question, Huss. Uh, Jensen Harkins, he has to play four more games this season in order to be eligible to be exposed in the expansion draft. If Jansen Harkins doesn't play four more, the Jets are in a world of trouble uh, that they would have to either expose a guy that they would otherwise be protecting 
Or they'd have to do something like re-sign Paul Stasny, Matthew Perot, Nathan Thompson, or Trevor Lewis, who would all meet the eligibility requirements for having played enough games this year, and the Jets would then expose one of them. And I, I don't know if people realize this. Right now, if you look at who's projected to be protected by the Jets, Wheeler, Shifley, Dubois, Connor, Ehlers, Kopp, Lowry, there's your seven forwards. Uh, the only forward that is signed beyond this season that has played enough games right now is Mason Appleton, who I think with Lowry re-signing, we can all agree there's a good chance he's going to get exposed. But they don't have another player right now under contract next year who's played enough games. And that's where Jansen Harkins is, is interesting to me. If he plays four more down the stretch, he checks off that box. If he doesn't, the Jets either have to expose one of those seven guys, or as I say, they'd have to re-sign one of their pending UFAs in Stasny, Perot, Lewis, or Thompson, and one of those guys. would. So that's something to watch for. I mean, if Blake Wheeler comes back next game, and I kind of expect he will, is Harkins automatically coming out, or do they find a way? Uh, is Kevin Chevaldeoff in Paul Maurice's ear saying, hey, Paul, we got to get Jansen in at least four more games here, or you're making life really difficult for me. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, it certainly is something to think about. I, to be honest, I mean, I have looked at this situation and, you know, before Wheeler got hurt, thought that there was no way that Jansen Harkins, the, the math didn't work out. He wasn't right. going to get in enough games. Now, that's changed a little bit right now. But honestly, I have a feeling the plan all along would be that if they're in that situation, go to Trevor Lewis or Nate Thompson and say, hey, it's been a great year. Here's some security for next season, whatever. We're going to re-up you to a one-year deal, and you're going to be exposed to Seattle, and uh, most likely you'll be a member of the Winnipeg Jets. There is a, a pretty simple out on it, yeah. but again, it just it's just one more complication for the general manager, Mike, of, of something that you probably would prefer not to be forced into doing it because of the games played. Well, look, and, and Lewis and Thompson have been you know pretty nice pieces on that fourth line. Paul Maurice plays that fourth line 10 minutes a night. Lewis and Thompson are killing penalties. You you mentioned, Huss, how the Jets' penalty kill has been a lot better as of late. Lewis and Thompson, I mean, Trevor Lewis had the big shorthanded goal from Thompson the other night uh, on the road trip, right? So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility anyways that the Jets might look to re-sign one or both of those guys. Look, they're not commanding big money, right? They'd still be somewhere near league minimum for next year. Uh, and so, right, that, that's probably a pretty good plan B that might already be in the back pocket anyways. Uh, Stasny and Perot are interesting to, to me. I mean, both guys are having pretty nice seasons. There's no chance they come back at the same salary that they're playing for this year. But I do wonder uh, if potentially one or both of those guys does come back, albeit at a much you know discounted price. And look, we saw Adam Lowry talk the other day about guys maybe taking a little less with the idea of keeping the band together as much as possible. Might we see a Paul Stasny or a Matthew Perot say, you know what? Sure, maybe I could go get a little more money here or there, but I love the fit here if the Jets want me back, you know, so that's not out of the possibility either. Yeah, and and to be honest, I've been so impressed with Trevor Lewis, um, and, and you, you hear it from his teammates, and you hear it from the coach, and it was interesting, was it Maurice, maybe it was on Saturday before the game? 
and I had a you know a, a long answer about the team and how they come together and what's different about this year. And he mentioned about the additions of the veterans that right. they brought in. And you know, again, it, we know that Paul Maurice loves to lean on those veteran players, but you want to have the right kinds of veteran players. And I didn't know a lot about Nate Thompson other than he was very well traveled. I did know that Trevor Lewis had you know has a pretty impressive pedigree of playing important roles on championship teams. And I don't think that, you know, listen, would you love a couple more goals? Sure, I guess. But, I mean, comparing this year's fourth line and I think just the general confidence that people have when that line is out there, as opposed to previous incarnations of the fourth line over the last few seasons, I don't even think it's close. I mean, this is the most reliable group Paul Maurice has had in a long time. And you've seen it the way he plays them, um, you know, far more than the other groups in the past as well as in key situations, often late in close games. Well, when the playoffs start, Huss, and the Jets still have a lot of inexperienced guys. They have some young guys in the room, whether we're talking, you know, the Logan Stanleys and Mason Appletons and the Jansen Harkins, Billy Hainalas, guys like that. They'll be able to look around the room, and there is somebody in that room right now that is not that's won not one, but two Stanley Cups. And yeah, Trevor Lewis wasn't a superstar on those Los Angeles Kings teams, but he's been there, right? He's been through the battle. He's, he's seen what it takes. He no doubt has stories and experiences to share. And I don't know if there's if you can put a value on, on having someone like that in the room. That's something that these Jets have not had a whole lot of, right? Dustin Bufflin was a cup winner. Andrew Ladd was a cup winner. But the Jets, you know, you look up and down the lineup in their decade here in Winnipeg, they haven't had a whole lot of Stanley Cup champions on this roster. And Trevor Lewis has that times two to his Well, name. he does. And you know what? What's also interesting, if you want to think about those cup teams in 2012 and 2014 with the with Los Angeles, I mean, those teams were, I, I mean, they were one to 12 deep. I mean, they rolled four lines. I mean, even if you were a bottom six player on the Los Angeles Kings, you were playing every fourth shift. You were going out from Daryl Sutter in pretty key situations. Um, and and I think all of that, like that, I think is what the Jets hope to be by the time we get to the postseason, a team that can go out and roll four lines and have them all be affected with their uh, with the roles that they've been given by uh, by Coach Maurice. And you know what, you you make a great point, Huss. I wonder if we haven't seen Paul Maurice show his hand just yet, and and why would he at this point? The Jets aren't in a dogfight to eat, to make the playoffs. They've got their playoff spot essentially secured. If you're Paul Maurice, even in these last two games against Edmonton or these games against Toronto or the game that they have left against Montreal, why would you necessarily show your hand? If you have ideas on how you think you can beat these teams and maybe it means moving some pieces around, maybe it means going a different direction with your defense pairs than you've done most of the season, I don't know that you'd want to tip your hand to that just yet, right? You'd want to save that for the playoffs. And so I do wonder if Paul Maurice has a trump card, if you will, up his sleeve and that we might not see, you know, some some interesting movement happen between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. 
Well, let's talk about that on the blue line because I think the coach essentially told us that there would be some different looks. They got right. Billy Hanel in for one game. Logan Stanley went back. Jordy Ben is here now. How do you see that being handled? Like, never mind, like in the final week of the regular season. Let's talk about these games against Toronto. I mean, do they stick with that same lineup, or are we going to see a little bit of a rotation over the course of the next few weeks on that sixth defense spot? Well, you know, one one pair I keep coming back to that, to me, we haven't seen nearly enough of this year is Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. And I do wonder if you're Paul Maurice, I mean, you saw Morrissey and, and Pullman. I thought they had a bit of, they had a good start the other night, a few good shifts early. Uh, Tucker Pullman had a real rough night, I thought, uh, especially out there against McDavid. You know, Connor McDavid's had, what, seven, all seven games, multi-point games against the Jets. Like, He's eating the Jets for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and then he's having dessert as well. And I just wonder, you know, if you're trying to load up a pair, to me, Morrissey DeMello is the way to go as opposed to Morrissey Pullman. So there's one move that I I think if you're Paul Maurice, maybe you keep that in your back pocket, whether you try it between now and the end of the season again, or you know that that's something that you've seen in, in short spurts in the past and you go to it. And I do wonder where a guy like Billy Hainala does factor in. I thought he was perfectly fine in Toronto the other day. Obviously, the Jets played a really good team game. He was part of that. There were no glaring errors or anything that stood out. Of course, he came out of the lineup the very next game. I do suspect we're going to see him back in at some point. And, you know, just based on things Kevin Chevaldeoff has said, based on what the Jets did, or in this case, really didn't do at the trade deadline, He's another kind of ace in the hole that I wonder if the Jets are kind of waiting um, to, to really unleash, if you will. So a couple of interesting plays. I guess we'll see how Jordy Ben looks, you know, whether I would assume he takes Stanley out and they probably start him with DeMello. Dylan DeMello is kind of the guy that plays with everybody right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some moving parts for sure. And I think mostly on the blue line, as you point out. You know, it's funny. I mean, I've we've talked before. I've been incredibly impressed with Logan Stanley and what he's done this season. He's probably been the, the most pleasant surprise of the year for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but I didn't think he had his strongest game on Saturday night. And, you know, I, I'm very interested, particularly on the younger players, um, and maybe more so Stanley, because we've been seeing him night in and night out up until this last game, how he will be able to handle in particular being in and being out. And, you know, along with Ben and Vili Hainala, um, how each of them, you know, rise to their opportunities because they'll only be playing a certain amount of games. And I think there really is a level of competition to show Paul Maurice, like, no, you can't take me out of the lineup. You need me. Well, let me throw one other name out to you, Huss. Uh, And he's a guy that I've been impressed with pretty much from day one, but I think he... He looks to me like he needs a bit of a rest, a bit of a breather, and that's Derek Forbert. I don't want to say he's hit a wall, uh, but it feels like he's a guy, he's logged big minutes. He's Him and Neil Pionk have been the only pair that has stayed together pretty much from training camp right through you know, these first uh, 45 games. And they often are the pair that's been put out there against the other team's best. Um, he's blocked a ton of shots, a lot of penalty-killing minutes. To me, Derek Forbert's starting to look a little worn down. And so I do wonder when we're talking about, you know, working guys like Hanela and Banyan here in these last 11 games, maybe we see a couple games where Stanley stays in along with Ben or Hanela. Maybe Derek Forbert gets a night off or two, again, just to give him some rest. 
with the idea being that you're, you're going to want to use him come the playoffs and you'd like the best version of Derek Forbert. If that means a Derek Forbert that's been given a few nights off here rather than playing 11 games in the next 20 days or whatever it's going to be, then so be it. So I think you have some options for sure. And again, a big part of that is uh, the flexibility that you're not in a in a in a tooth and nail fight to the finish just to make the playoffs. You already have the comfort of knowing you're in. I'm sure first place would be great, um, and I don't expect the Jets to concede that. But I think there's ways to maybe optimize some rest while also trying to still you know put your best uh, effort forward every night. Mike McIntyre, the free press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you mentioned Maurice potentially playing a trump card at some point that he's still holding right now, and James Robinson brings it up in the chat. Will we see uh, Morrissey and Pionk together at any point? And what do you think a situation would uh, would create those two guys going out together, Mike? Yeah, I, I mean, we could for sure. We've seen it, I think, in, in very small doses. Paul Maurice has run that group. Uh, sometimes late in games, those two when they've been chasing offense, uh, you know, if they're behind. And we've also seen it, I think, sometimes the last shift of a period. Um, you know, I, I've seen it where he'll he'll throw Pionk with Morrissey for the final 45 seconds. I, I remember one time in particular, I don't remember which game this was, but it was fairly recently where they threw them out and uh, the Jets gave up a goal. I mean, that's always the risk. You're putting, you know, a couple guys that, certainly are are your two I think high-end defensemen that you have but you know maybe almost a little too similar sometimes in the mindset there and and so you know I think if you're all things being equal I don't know that we'd see that at the start of a game but certainly that would be one card that you'd play uh, if you're in need of a goal and you shorten your bench right and you're now trying to press late for sure we could see uh, Morrissey and Pionk together. Hey, Mike, um, I, I want to ask you about Matthew Perot for a minute because you, you mentioned the season that he's having. And, I, I mean, I, like many people, thought Perot was pretty much at the end of the road at the end of last season and wasn't sure. And we knew that, I mean, they were looking. If there was a taker for that salary, he right. probably would have been elsewhere, and that wasn't the case, you know, over $4 million at this point in his career. Um, but he's been playing some really good hockey this year in a number of different spots in the lineup. Um, but again, we're also talking about a guy on the other side of 30 in a flat cap world. What, Considering the season that he's had this year, what is out there for Matthew Perot um, in the offseason? Yeah, so I mentioned 55% of my Twitter responders want the Jets to play the Habs in the first round. I can tell you 100% of Matthew Perot and probably Pierre-Luc Dubois would, <laughs> would welcome because I think, I mean, those guys those guys have had their moments and Matthew pro, especially, I think he's played his absolute best hockey this year, not only against Montreal, but in Montreal, right? Like he seems to really thrive when he's playing against his home province and same with Pierre-Luc Dubois, but you're right. I mean, you bring up the point about flat cap. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot out there for Matthew pro. And that's why I do wonder if, if there's not potentially a future fit here, I think he's proven Huss that, there's still a little bit of gas left in the tank. Like he's not done this. It's, it's not going to be a case where he can't even get a contract after this year and short of a professional tryout with some team, you know, he's got to choose between playing in the AHL or hanging them up. I think there's an NHL job out there for him, 
but we're probably talking something along the lines of the Trevor Lewis or the Nate Thompson, you know, something in the $1 million range. And if you're Matthew Pro, who's got a, a, a family, you know, Winnipeg, is he's been here now, I think, seven seasons, uh, I, I could see a situation where it just is such a good fit that he might forego kind of really looking too far and sure, maybe you could squeeze another couple hundred thousand out of a team here or there. But, you know, are you going to a team like Ottawa, you know, who's who's still a couple years away maybe from being a contender? Like if you're Matthew Pro and you believe in this group um, and if you're the Jets and you like what Matthew Pro brings, I just think there's a good fit there uh, beyond this season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really did not think that, you know, there was going to be a long-term future beyond this season for Perot, but the way he's played this yeah. year, the way he fits, and the fact that, you know, I think he would be open to trying to continue on with this group, um, you know, as long as he's, you know, comfortable with the role that he's in. Um, the only one thing, I think from an organizational standpoint, I mean, you do eventually want to get guys like Gustafson or Harkins in regularly or who's there, but... Considering what the cost is and what Perot has shown this year, I think he's completely changed the possibilities for being around here past this season with the way that he's played. For sure, and that's the that's the um, that's a juggling act, I guess, for Kevin Shoveldayoff and Paul Maurice. Uh, you mentioned Harkins, you mentioned Gustafson, uh, Christian Veselainen would be another guy who I think you know is just waiting for a chance to maybe show that he can be a, a regular. I'll throw another name out there, Huss. That's Cole Perfetti, who's having a really nice season, very quietly, uh, with the Manitoba Moose, a guy that shouldn't even be allowed to play in the AHL right now due to his age, if not for the fact the OHL wasn't playing. Uh, I think he's had, like, three multi-point games in his last four, something like that. Um, You know, maybe Cole Perfetti breaks into this Jets lineup eventually on the wing, as opposed to up the middle, you look at the Jets now, they have Shifley, they just re-upped Adam Lowry, they've got Dubois, we don't know what happens with Paul Stasny, but, and David Gustafson is a center as well, like you wonder where's the fit there potentially at center and could Perfetti come in as a winger? Uh, I think that's probably a decent place to start. So for sure, you want to find ways, if you think those guys are ready, the Veselinans, the Perfettis, the Gustafsons, the Harkins, uh, keep in mind the Jets are going to lose somebody to Seattle, whether it's Mason Appleton, whether it's Logan Stanley, whether it's somebody else. Uh, they are going to lose a player, so uh, that potentially moves everybody up a spot on the depth chart, either at forward or the blue line. Uh, but yeah, that's the balancing act, right? You you want guys that you think can help you win now, but you also want to be keeping one eye on, on the future as well. Mike, um, as it pertains to the deadline... The one thing that didn't happen uh, at the trade deadline was, you know, any significant assets going out. The Jets right. still have their first-round pick. We've talked about the uncertainty of the draft this year. Might Kevin Sheveldayoff just do exactly what he did in the Vegas expansion draft yeah. and uh, utilize that assets and keep Mason Appleton here and say, uh, you know what, we want you to take Nate Beaulieu or somebody that maybe doesn't figure into their plans for next season? So let me throw out a hypothetical. Uh, if you're a Jets fan or if you're Kevin Shoveldayoff, would you offer your first-round pick, Sammy Niku, uh, in exchange for taking somebody not named Logan Stanley or Mason Appleton? If that's the price to pay for keeping Appleton and Stanley, and as you say, Nate Beaulieu or somebody else, um, 
would you be willing to pay that price? And, and if I'm the Jets, I think the answer is yes. Now, would Seattle jump at that? Would a first and a Sammy Niku be enough to then take somebody that isn't, you know, the, the player that you want? Do you think it would take more than a first? I mean, even a lower first-round pick, I would imagine if you're Ron Francis, you're right. doing that all day long. And and or maybe it's here's the first and Sammy Niku's the guy we want you to take. I would think that, you know, his value, again, you know, he's going to end up having to be waiver. Like once you get out of this taxi right. squad era, at some point you're going to, you know, have to have players that are unprotected. But, I mean, I honestly think that I, I, I would imagine that the first-round pick alone, just considering what the market was last time, I mean, remember the Jets – gave up their pick, but they still got one, I think, 12 or 13 spots later in the first round. Yeah, they switched their spots. And, of course, that pick turned out to be Nick Suzuki uh, that Vegas picked, who now plays, of course, for Montreal. So you're right. I, I mean, the Jets, the first-round pick is, is is likely going to be a very late first-round pick, uh, given where the Jets are going to finish. It, it's probably somewhere in the 20s. Right? 31st, Mike, 31st. 31st. Yeah. I don't know if the President's Trophy is still uh, up for grabs, but we'll see. But although you win the Stanley Cup, I think you automatically move to 31st, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe that is, uh, I, it's a crapshoot this year, right? What is the value of a draft pick in a year that you haven't seen a lot of these guys? So maybe uh, Seattle asks for more, but for sure, I do wonder if that's not something that the Jets would consider. If you believe that Logan Stanley and Mason Appleton are worth a first round pick right now, what they bring to your team now and going forward. And I would argue that they do for a team that's trying to win sort of in the here and now. Uh, that's a deal that I'd make every day of the week. Mike McIntyre with this here. So uh, before you get your shot this afternoon, yes. uh, fill us in on uh, what you've got cooking in the free press coming up this week before the Jets get back on the ice on Thursday against the Leafs. So I mentioned him a few minutes ago and uh, Jets fans, uh, may be interested in reading the column that I'm writing today. It'll be in tomorrow's free press, kind of re-examining the Pierre-Luc Dubois for Patrick Laine and Jack Rosovic trade. It's basically three months now, almost to the day since the trade was made. And it was a trade that I think at the time people said, hey, this could be a win-win for everybody. I'm going to take in the approach that right, right now it's not looking like a win for any of these guys. Uh, I think Jets fans would like to see more from Pierre-Luc Dubois. I know I would. And certainly you look at Line A and Rosovic, who's had, I think, a little more success. But uh, Columbus isn't going anywhere, right? And so uh, I'm kind of looking at the the blockbuster now a few months later through a bit of a different lens and kind of asking the question, when are we going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois, the Pierre-Luc Dubois that I think Jets fans hope they were getting? What do you think the shelf life is on the discussion of this trade in Winnipeg? 10 years? 15 years? It's going to be a very, very long look. We still debate the uh, we still debate the Evander Kane trade, right? <laughs> uh, and so, for sure, uh, and this this was a bigger deal, uh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think uh, we'll be we'll be debating it. Hus, we'll be in like a in a retirement residence, you and I, uh, 20, 30 years from now, and we'll be having this discussion still then. Hey, Mike, uh, all the best. Get that shot in you this afternoon and uh, be well. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. There he is, Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. I'm looking forward to bringing Ryan Brandt on. And as I mentioned, we will be discussing the post-game incident from the Zoom call with Ken Weeb later on in the program. Um, as always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily brought to you our friends, by our friends at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. 
and 650 Rally and EK. Royal Sports, family-owned for over 35 years in Winnipeg, is the sports superstore. Whether you're getting ready for spring, soccer, baseball, bikes, fitness equipment, and running shoes, they've got it all, not to mention the best athletic apparel selection and licensed merchandise in the city. Pop down to Royal Sports. Tell them your boys from Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And after you hit Royal, maybe you grab a blizzard on the way home from one of the Nick and Nicky DQs. Great to see Nick on the weekend. And congratulations on their big move. DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, Dairy Queen St. Anne's, and Dairy Queen Northgate, the, uh, the franchise leader. Grab your cakes, grab burgers, ice cream. It's... Uh, it's always a good time for Dairy Queen, but especially now that it's getting a little nicer outside. All right. Huge news in the world of sports yesterday, and this caught me by surprise. I'm, I'll be honest. I don't pay too close attention to many of the bigger soccer leagues in the world before they get down to you know crunch time. But the story of this formation of this European Super League is sending shockwaves you know, around the planet, really, and the reaction has been absolutely stunning. And uh, it's always fun to bring Ryan Brandt on the program, but especially if we've got some big soccer news. So uh, let's get RB in here now with CGOB. What's going on, Ryan? Great to see you and uh, talk to you again, buddy. What's happening, Haas? New studio today, so I'm uh, I'm moving my way around the apartment. I'm getting to know new areas from uh, from staying at home so much now. Well, new studio and a new fresh look. Can we talk about this shirt for a minute? Yeah, well, anyone that is a fan like me of uh, the Arizona green teas, 99-cent cans, that is... Uh, <laughs> That is the, that look I'm sporting today. So uh, this isn't hashtag sponsored, but uh, it's a it's a comfy shirt. So and I love the look of it. So uh, I used hey, to when uh, I was in college, I had a mini fridge hus, and I went to Costco and I bought an entire flat of those Arizona iced teas, and I probably crushed like one a day. I don't know if I can even drink a whole can now, but they're still delicious. So shout out to Arizona. It's quite a flex to actually wear a shirt as a tribute to one of your favorite beverages, but uh, I'm certainly yeah. here for it. Um, <laughs> hey, um, how's things been? Uh, how are you enjoying it? Heard a couple uh, bang up newscasts with you on OB. Uh, how's the how's the move been? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Just uh, you know, using the old voice again. It's been uh, a fun little thing there, and then the odd uh, getting to watch the Jets still, which has been a, an interesting trek into this season and just getting to keep a uh, keep up with what's kind of going on out there and hoping we get some news soon on the cfl and the cpl and can finally get to a little bit more local sports action coming in yeah amen to that my friend um so fill me in what was your reaction when you heard this news and maybe for folks that are unfamiliar of it give us a little 411 on what this announcement was the biggest european soccer clubs breaking away to form a super league i, I can't remember anything that created this much vitriol online in a long long time from yes I think if you don't follow European soccer, you don't realize that like the stands of uh, these teams and these players is probably bigger or as big as NFL or hockey in the way that uh, the the blind loyalty at a lot of these clubs. But yeah, so basically what's happening is 12 clubs that consider themselves, because if you look at their place in the standings, especially the English teams, are they the top 12 teams in the world right now? They certainly maybe have the most money of the other teams around the world. So my, my reaction of it of 12 European teams breaking away forming their own little midweek Super League, as they, they want to call it, is I guess it makes sense in a business sense. It's hard to argue with 12 of the biggest teams with the most money and the best players wanting to play each other more and think that that probably is something that will make them a lot of money through sponsorships and broadcasts. I get that. However, I didn't think this decade we'd see a worse soccer idea for the game than a World Cup being played in Qatar 
at a different time than normal. But uh, I guess we've got to that point. So I understand the business sense of it. But as, as a soccer fan who you know likes to to watch a lot of these other games and how much different maybe following European soccer is than watching the NHL or the NFL, it seems like we're getting closer to it being the exact same. All right. Now, listen, I'm most familiar with the Premier League. Um, you've got some of the biggest teams in there, Arsenal, Man City, Man United. I mean, are they? would they be leaving the Premier League? Or like, what, what becomes of the other teams that aren't super enough to be in the Super League, not just in England, but around Europe? No, it seems more that they, they want to keep continuing in their, their standard competitions right now, but maybe finding a way to monetize what the, the brilliance of the Champions League already is for themselves and then keep all that money and, and sell it their own way and do it their own way. So that's where things are going to get kind of murky. That's where a lot of people will be paying attention to right now because three of the remaining four teams in the Champions League are planning to be breakaway Super League teams. So will we end this week with PSG just being crowned Champions League uh, or the champions of the Champions League? Possibly because UEFA doesn't like this because, you know, these governing bodies are going to be in it for the, the better of the game or whatever. But I think they're also seeing revenue going right out the door. If Man United is going to be playing Barcelona every third week on a different broadcast agreement and monetized in a completely different way, it's really, really murky stuff. And there's going to be some fights, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be legal action threatened in both directions. So it's it's one to really pay attention to. And I think I'm one of many fans conflicted because my team is Tottenham, who are one of these 12 breakaway teams who sit 8th, ninth, I think ninth now in the Premier League. And we're going to break away because they won't be in the Champions League next year by that account. So these are the kinds of weird things that are coming out of it. But yeah, it's still really murky stuff. And I don't think we're seeing the end of this uh, just from the news that broke on the weekend. Yeah, well, in Tottenham, didn't they just whack Mourinho too? The always confident uh, Jose Mourinho as their coach? Nah, not good for the documentary series. So that's, you know, the, the special one being out the door. Yeah, not great for the doc series. But uh, it's it's a team that certainly has, uh, as I guess it's seventh in the Premier League. I was thinking of Arsenal just taking a dig if uh, the Arsenal fans are, are watching there, the Tottenham slightly above. But that's part of it. Like the English teams is kind of the low-hanging fruit in this because the big money teams of other than Man City and Man United going 1-2 have maybe underperformed. Liverpool, Chelsea also in, in that kind of place. So I'm just really worried about what this means for the other teams we all remember that great story of Leicester the underdogs go from avoiding relegation one season to winning the Premier League the next will they have the ability to do that will anyone care as much if if you're going to pick one game a week you might pick Man United against Barcelona to watch what Messi's going to do against one of the biggest clubs in the world instead of putting your eyes somewhere else. So uh, that's where I start to get a little bit worried is what this means for the teams and the leagues that aren't going to be involved in this because one big omission was the big German clubs, uh, namely Bayern Munich, deciding they don't want to join uh, what the Super League's trying to do. Ryan Brandt with us here in Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. RB... Can you remember anything in the sport that has almost immediately started a firestorm of criticism like this? I mean, even on the the premier broadcast yesterday, uh, the the name escapes me. A guy just went on a rant, you know, calling out the greed, calling it a national disgrace of these clubs. Um, You know, we're seeing some of the most, you know, heavy, straight, hard statements um, against this from pretty much people – everywhere in the sport with the exception of the guys that run these dozen teams yeah well the only person it benefits is the owners of these clubs trying to just monetize on their product a little bit more and 
and like I said kind of earlier, you, you understand it, I guess, from a business point of view that that's what these owners w- would want to do. But is it better for the game? I say no. And I also get worried as you kind of see what this trickle-down effect is. Will other clubs or leagues benefit at all from the money that this Super League is going to bring in? What does this mean for players? Will the salaries skyrocket for these 12 teams and the, tw- the rest of the world that isn't taking part not going to be able to pay players as much? Will there be issues that kind of come from that? The development uh, aspect of this, will clubs just want to be selling teams to Super League teams to try and make their their side of, of the money? That's where it really just gets a little bit confusing is how this is going to affect the clubs not involved because I think that's who it hurts the most. And part of the, the fun of the game is the variety. Soccer just has so much going on that if you just take it and turn it into a you know a 12-team league basically to try and attract fans, that's the only place those eyeballs are going. Um, you know, Sean Murray mentioned, yes, it was Gary Neville that just eviscerated everybody involved in this. Catch, catch the clip online if you haven't seen it. It really is something. And Tim Debehan, what's up, Timmy, um, mentioned players of these super teams won't be able to represent their countries at Euros or World Cup, apparently. I don't think that's set in stone, but they actually are talking about sanctions against these teams and players. And, you know, if all of a sudden players could not represent their countries in the World Cup and the big competitions, I'd imagine that might be a deal breaker for this event. Because as much money is on the line, the ability to represent your country is um, part and parcel of being a great soccer player. And I can't imagine many of the world's best stars would be down for that. Yeah, that's where this big crackdown is going to be coming and seeing how UEFA d- decides to to react, what kind of legal action they're going to take, what kind of sanctions they'll be placing on these clubs and like you said kind of what does that mean for players i think there is maybe a lesson here for uefa to take and i think that there is a place where fans want to see the biggest clubs from other countries facing each other more often you get the champions league but you also have these situations where you know if man united doesn't have their best team and they're out early or you don't get these opportunities as much to to have your club if you're an english supporter or a supporter in another league like italy and to see your club play barcelona real madrid more often and get more interplay between these teams I think that's a good idea. The format they're trying to do doesn't seem like it's the the right way to do it because it it more is a a cash grab for these owners by the looks of things. So, yeah, from the implications for international soccer, it's huge. And I think European soccer has to be a bit on notice, too, because as we're starting to see the rise in American talent development systems in, in North America and the money that keeps going into Major League Soccer clubs all the time. You have to be a little worried 10, 20 years down the road uh, where they might be if there's too much infighting among European soccer to see what, what's kind of cooking in America right now. Hey, Ryan, before we uh, finish up uh, closer to home, uh, you're hearing anything on the CPL? I mean, I imagine right now with where the virus is, especially in some parts of the country, much like the Canadian Football League, everything is just sort of on pause. But uh, CPL, and what's the latest on our uh, World Cup qualifying as well for our NAT team? Yeah, things going okay for for World Cup qualifying. You know, I, this gives me a chance, Hustler, to, to toot my own horn that we were kind of nailing the Concacaf parlays as the yes. You know, oh, we hadn't got Ryan to was giving me so many winners. I cannot wait to get back into the Concacaf qualifying on the wide world of wagering uh, when the games are back on. You 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 did absolutely nail it and made us both a little bit of cash. Yeah, I had a little bit of free time, so watching the French broadcast of Haiti Belize on YouTube to see if I was uh, nailing my picks was was an interesting adjustment. But yeah, there was a lot of fun to, to be had there. Canada had a pretty easy run playing a, a team from the Cayman Islands that was having difficulties with getting into the United States. I think they were only able to bring 15 players for the match at all. And Canada had some of their big guns. Davies was playing and 
they had a few, uh, a lot of their other guys. Kyle Laren's been looking really good and starting to attract attention uh, elsewhere. But as for the CPL, there's teams practicing more to the west of us. The Ontario teams, Toronto and, or uh, sorry, not Toronto, York and Forge, uh, not yet. But Ottawa, us, great on Instagram. The players are in Spain training scrimmaging against some lower level Spanish teams and I've seen a lot of pics on Instagram of uh, safely touring uh, the streets uh, out there so they're getting themselves ready for the season so hopefully we'll, we'll see something cooking with the CPL soon but as I've kind of said I wait for a CFL announcement and then what that might mean for the CPL after that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we'll uh, get back to normal, at least for our sports team, some point soon. It uh, probably is going to take a little while. Dude, you look amazing. Great to have you on the program. Uh, someone said, uh, Ryan, leave some drip for somebody else, please. But um, <laughs> you, you brought it all today, man. Great to have you back on the program. This is the first time people have seen me in like a month. I, I just put on my, my best for the day. So maybe a month <laughs> from now, I'll find a new shirt to wear. You're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Huss. Right on. There's Ryan Brandt with us, uh, our old pal from Pembina Highway, and uh, now back on the Superstation at 680 CJOB. All right, we uh, still have some things to uh, to get to on today's program, um, but before I do that, let's uh, we will get to our Cool Bet Daily lines. Uh, but you know what? Our Breezy Bend Golf Report. Shout out to the gang at Breezy. Man, they're doing some great work on the course out there. Craig, maybe the best superintendent in the biz, um, cranking out you know some changes to the course on three and six. Uh, but we'll be back out there playing very soon now that the snow's pretty much gone and it should be a great summer. If you're looking or interested in getting on the waiting list for one of Manitoba's top private clubs, find out more at breezybend.ca or give him a call, talk to Corey. He is, without a doubt, the best in the biz, the GM, great friend of the program over at Breezy. And the golf story this week was Stuart Sink. 47 years old, winning again on the PGA Tour and really winning in a blowout. There was no drama. I mean, it was even more boring than the final round of the Masters as far as you, know, you pretty much knew who was going to win. The great thing about this was he did it with his son on the bag. And, you know, at this point in his career, Stuart Sink has two wins on the PGA Tour this week. And, man, I missed this out. Feinberg retweeted a guy that kind of broke down the performance in Masters um, and then the week afterwards of Majors and said, it all points to Stuart Sink at 125-1 to 1 going into the tournament. Wish I did not miss that tweet before the tournament started. Um, he did it. The, the scene at the end with he, his son who was on his bag, his other son and his wife afterwards was uh, one of the great moments on the PGA Tour this season. And uh, for Stuart Sink, you know, pushing 50 years old, going to be back at the Masters, Tournament of Champions. Um, really, really a great story. So uh, congrats to Stu Sink. Uh, Zurich Classic, The uh, it's the tag team golf event this week down in New Orleans. Always an interesting, and we'll talk about that coming up a little bit before Thursday when they tee off. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, great stuff with Ryan Brandt and uh, a nice long chat with Mike McIntyre on all things Winnipeg Jets as the team finally gets a couple days off. Yeah, we've heard so much about the Jets schedule. They did have the Wednesday game pushed back to Thursday, so they're going to have a day off here. I know they're doing, uh, what, like reading takes flight over, I'm assuming over Zoom, reading to some classes. I always wonder what it would be like if my class had a Jet read to them, how cool that would be. But, yeah, they have some time to recharge. Maybe some guys need it. They've had, you know, we've heard Paul Maurice Sawyer talk about the grinder of a schedule, Huss. And uh, great time Big for grinder. some rest as we as we head into the... Final stretcher, 
getting set for the playoffs, although it seems like the playoffs in the North kind of set, although could everyone saying, hey, Vancouver, look at them last night. If that's them after, you know, with no practices, imagine if they can have some practices, Hess, and they're healthy. <laughs> or Cal- all the Canucks, Canucks they're, all, they're all rested and ready to go. Yeah, yeah I Canucks, don't know about that. But that was a g- great win last night, though, for Vancouver. I mean, regardless of what happens going the rest of the way, you saw how much it meant to those guys to perform the way they did in some pretty adverse conditions. And, um, you know, it was nice and certainly for everyone that, uh, you know, would like the Jets or Oilers to be a little closer to the Maple Leafs. Um, even missing out on that one point could be important as we uh, get down the final stretch. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, look, the Jets have got important games against uh, Edmonton and Toronto. And I love the uh, Winnipeg-Toronto games for sure. So, uh yeah, a couple days, get some practices in. Maybe we'll see some. I wonder if we will see some shuffling of the defense. I think that's the thing to watch. Paul Maurice uh, did mention they're going to try to work out uh, Jordy Bennon. Uh, Billy Hanel is going to be worked in. We had last week, a week ago today, uh, Kevin Chevalier did call out uh, Billy Hanel in the press conference, and we got some depth here with him. So uh, maybe we'll see him at some point as well for another game. All right, you know what? We'll get to the games and tonight's cool bet lines in a minute. Wrench Doozer has just gone into the chat and said, did Hustler visit the Jets Zoom call on the astral plane like Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch? It's a great question, Wrench Doozer, because needless to say, I was as surprised as anybody else was when I made a visit to the Jets Zoom call on Saturday night. Um... I will I will tell you, I did the pregame show beforehand, and then with the game being moved up to six, having Sunday off, I'm like, this is perfect. Be able to go out, watch the game. Um, so I did exactly that. Popped by my local, had a few pops. Obviously, the game was over at about nine, came back afterwards, and you know, I was fooling around, probably playing Divot Derby or something like that. I'd missed many of the first interviews, so I went back to YouTube to catch Coach Maurice and, you know, some of the players and the post-game comments that had happened a little earlier on. And needless to say, I was somewhat stunned to, uh, to well, to hear this. Uh, Remo, do we, uh, do we have the clip? Are we ready to go with this? It's right here. Should I hit play? Let's play, folks. This is from Saturday night's Jets Zoom call after the game against Edmonton. Anyone with questions for Mark, use the raise hand function now and we'll get started. And we'll get going with uh, Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weaver. The thing is, I can say a lot of those same things. Thank you, Gregor. Hustler, you got to mute yourself. just has maybe a little extra offensive level. Um, I would say the Mark, same thing about what's the biggest challenge of, of the going up and trying um, to contain man, Connor McDavid? Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. He's, he's obviously, you know, the best player in the world for a reason. And Okay, so... <laughs> If you're wondering what the hell that was, that was Gregor Buer, the one of the crack media staff for the Winnipeg Jets, throwing to Ken, who was all ready to go for his first question. And when Ken was unmuted, uh, apparently, I'm not sure whether he was getting motivated or fired up to ask a great question, Reem, by listening to some take from Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily over the course of the past week. Um, But that's certainly what it sounded like. And maybe the funniest part of it all was the fact that my good friend, Mr. Weeb, had the audacity to shout me out going, Huss, you have to mute yourself. I was not on the call. That was on Ken's computer, Remo. (laughs) There's a lot to take in here from that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> and first of all, credit to Mark Shifley, who kind of just sat there stone-faced, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to sit here. So, yeah, they go to Ken. Hustler has... Or sorry, Ken has a Winnipeg Sports Talk playing in the background and says, Hustler, you got to mute yourself. Yeah, you and, and you hear a voice in the background saying, Hustler's not on the call. I don't know if that was Gregor or someone sitting beside Ken. I know Mike McIntyre tweeted that he was laughing so hard at this, but... Uh, <laughs> Can we play this again? Can we play this again for people that, that missed it? Let's fire this. Oh, hold on, your ass. You keep unplugging your microphone. Uh, Mark... Look at the WTF look on Mark Shifley's face as well as – and just imagine what Ken was thinking as he told me to mute myself. Okay, let me, uh, let me fire this thing up again. Hold on, hold on. Here it is. Anyone with questions for Mark, use the raise hand function now and we'll get started. And we'll get going with uh, Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weaver. Thing is, I can say a lot of those same things Thank about you, Gregor. Hustler, you got to mute yourself. <laughs> it just has maybe a little extra offensive level. Um, I would say the Mark, same thing about what's the biggest challenge of, of the going up and trying um, to contain and Connor McDavid? Yeah, it's tough. He's, he's obviously, you know, the best player in the world for a reason. And Okay, first off, credit to Shifley for just rolling with it. Like, yeah. I, part of me, and again, so now rewind to me at like, midnight or whatever coming back and had a good night i'm at home going okay well let's catch up on all this stuff if you if there could have been a camera on me listening to this going wait a second that's my voice what the hell is going on <laughs> and then and then to have we do it now to ken's credit and ken will be back with us on thursday where he will be able to address this but yes yeah, someone said did ken apologize well yes he owned it and I guess he told them afterwards that that had nothing to do with any of the Winnipeg sports talk guys being on the call. Um, but Remo, as I said, you know, we joked on the warm up before everybody got blown out that we were going to put together a power poll of Winnipeg media as to who was handling the Zoom world the best and, you know, who was, you know, hitting the notes, doing the questions right, not having technical difficulties. I think we sort of have to change this now and we do the reverse power poll. And I think it is a runaway leader for Ken Weeb having the most difficulties with the Zoom technology as shown Saturday night live with Mark Shifley. I'm actually like, how did, what was Ken doing that? We have to, we have to call Ken and get the behind the scenes. Cause was he <laughs> listening to like Friday's show and like hearing your hot takes on Pierre-Luc Dubois, but like he's listening to it while also waiting for Mark Shifley to do his post game, and then forgot to hit hit pause. I'd like to think that he was listening to it for inspiration before he went and asked his question. Um, in all joking aside, though, I think what had happened was they had had he had had like I don't know Kenny and Rennie on or something like that. Oh, and of course, okay. we subscribe to yeah. our each other's channels, and maybe what happened is it ended and then kicked into a Winnipeg Sports Talk daily video that either Ken didn't know was on, and then when the computer got muted, it immediately went to uh, some hot take about probably figuring out where Dubois fits in the top six or something like that. Okay, but, that makes um, a, lot of, a lot of sense. He was watching Kenny and Rainy, and then it auto-played because it would recommend... YouTube knows that we're linked together, us and Kenny and Rainy, so it would recommend, recommend us. 
and start auto-playing him. Oh, we're linked together all right, yeah. uh, as was seen in this clip uh, <laughs> from Saturday night. Um, definitely an all-time hilarious moment. Uh, it's all good with Ken. But as I talked to him on Saturday night, he said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I told the guys what had happened. And I said, well, I'm listening. I'm watching this right now, and it is out there for all to see of you telling me to mute yourself. So, Ken, just take it from me. This will be addressed and the truth will come out on Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And then, of course, he will have chance for rebuttal when he joins us before the Friday edition of Kenny and Rennie on Thursday's show here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Ken was trying to play it cool, uh, acting like it wasn't him. He's like, Hustler, you got it. What are you doing? <laughs> Interrupting the call. <laughs> if only he was smooth enough to hit mute, no one would have known. People would have just thought it was you, but... He just kept asking the question while you're uh, talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois, how great he is on the wing. <laughs> well, here's the uh, binaural says, got to say it's a good thing he was listening to you guys and not something else. At least it was PG friendly. Th- th- it did th- cross my mind. Can you like if that could happen? Can you imagine if the wrong pop up or something was on the computer from the press box and that oh. was what came on? <laughs> The potential is just so juicy. I can't get over it. <laughs> That's actually a a valid a valid point. It could have been it could have been a lot worse. I think it's even funnier that it was you. And RHO says so much for scrum lurkers. Yeah, remember scrum lurkers? You don't have scrums anymore. So like Zoom fails seems to be the new the yes. new thing. <laughs> Mitch, how do those tracks feel, Hus? No kidding. No yeah. kidding. Uh, it was uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> did Ken know? Did Ken think that you were there, or was he trying to play it cool and be like and do like hustler? You're screwing up this whole call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he tried to blame you. <laughs> that is a great question. That is a great question. The one it that almost, can only be answered. Worked. <laughs> and the voice saying, but you hear did. the voice failing. Hustler's not on the call, Ken. It's you. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, Every, I and it's knew. on YouTube. Everyone can see it. We tweeted it out from Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, seven minutes in. And, and again, credit to Mark Shifley. He's like, I've been on a lot of these dumb Zooms. I'm just going to sit here and wait for the question. He answered the question, act like nothing nothing happened, didn't even no, laugh. No, absolute professional. You can tell these guys probably have had enough of these Zoom calls. They really just want to get in and get out and doing it. So even something as ridiculous as that didn't even garner a comment from Mark Shifley. It was like, yeah, let's get down to it. I'll answer this question and you guys can figure out what the hell's going on here. I wonder what he thought of your take, though, Mark Shifley. Now that he's I'm surprised he didn't listened. say, "Ken, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let me yeah. just hear the rest of this take on uh, whatever I was talking about with Pierre <laughs> Dubois." What would have been really funny is if it was at a different point in the show, like maybe this point of the show where there's just some nonsense, probably yeah. you laughing at something, going back and forth. That would have been that would have been quite excellent too. Although then it would have given Ken an opportunity to uh, maybe sewer both of us as opposed to just me whose voice was on there yeah. with, now that, you're, with that scalding hot take. Now your name is soiled among um, NHL media hus. We totally I don't know how I'm going to get over us. this. How am I going to get over this? This is, this is the sort of professional adversity. Everything that's happened over the past six months, the adversity we've been through, just prepared me for this moment on Saturday night, being besmirched to a national audience by 
my so-called friend Ken Weep. Wow, what uh, what an incident! It, it would have been amazing though if that you know how sometimes they play the calls like live on TSN and Sportsnet on Sports yeah. Center. Like, oh great, Shifley's coming up. Let's go live. Let's get the first question. If that was on there, <laughs> I mean, I did. I wasn't watching afterwards with any of the live coverage. Maybe it did get out there, but it's there for everyone to enjoy permanently on YouTube at about the seven minute mark of Saturday's post game. I'm ready for the thirty for thirty on this. I think we're going to interview Ken. We're going to interview Shifley, uh, Gregor from the Jets PR. Scott Billick was next to him. Mike McIntyre and Jason Bell, I know, are dying to weigh the in. 30 for 30 on the call. I think I think it can be done. I can produce this together. We'll do Zoom interviews. It'll be part of uh, – it'll be the one of Jets legends for the next uh, 20 years. Yeah, that'll be the Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Legends. We'll do a deep dive on this. And at some point when we have a long weekend or can't do a show in the summer, we'll just put that out as the show today and everyone can relive a dark, dark moment in Winnipeg media history. Gre- uh, Gregory Liverpool in chat's really getting on the, um, the Jets Zoom admin. <laughs> yes. He's been yeah. on the Jet right. Zoom, Zoom admin. I don't know. I think it seems This is not than... on the Zoom admin. This is on one person and one person only, both for what happened and running over me afterwards when questioned as to what the hell was going on. And that man is Mr. Two Holes in One and One Round himself, Ken Weeb, yeah. Sportsnet contributor and Winnipeg Sports Talk daily contributor and co-host of Kenny and Rennie. Ranch Chooser says if TSN can do a mockumentary about O-Dog and the catch-up at, you know, the trade deadline show, we can do one about the call. Oh, yeah, we could definitely do a, three, a nice three-minute thing. I'll, I'll reach out to uh, the Jets. We'll get permission to use that in a documentary uh, interview. Shife, we'll get Shifley with a quick comment, Gregor. I think, I think this thing writes itself, basically. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Uh, all right. Anyways, that was lots yeah. of fun. Ken is going to be on the program on Thursday. So needless to say, this is not the last we've heard of the call incident here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. But we do have a bunch of games in the National Hockey League tonight. So let's get to the Cool Bet lines for Cool Bet Canada today. Let's see here. We have the oh, big game tonight, Calgary oh, Flames. You know, Calgary Ken, lost. Ken, Ken just texted me. He says he's, uh, he he wants in. Should I call <laughs> it? Uh, yeah, send him the link right now. Send him the link right now. Um, we could have we could have rebuttal coming right now from one Ken Weep live. This is how the internet works, works, folks. You can just get oh. right right down to business. Oh, Jason yeah. Bell says he wants to come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, hold on. We'll bring on. We'll bring on on Ken. I'll email what? him the link. Okay, perfect. We'll do that. And Just while you do that, go through the games and I'll email. Yeah, Ken. yeah. Let's I'll give you. I'll give you the cool bet daily lines tonight while we arrange for Ken Weave to join us live on the program. All right, big one tonight out in the uh, in the East Carolina at Tampa. Tampa minus 120 favorite, Carolina plus 103, certainly one of the games of the night. Columbus big underdogs, plus 185 in South Florida take on the Panthers. Panthers are minus 222. Dallas, a huge home favorite, minus 244 against the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings at plus 200. Uh, Chicago plus 118. Nashville favorites at home, minus 139. Minnesota Wild favorites, minus 154. In Arizona, take on the Coyotes. Coyotes paying plus 130 as a home dog. You've got the Ottawa Senators, who have owned the Calgary Flames so far this season. 
at plus 170. Calgary home minus 204. They absolutely need to win this game and they need to get on a run before they play Montreal three times on the weekend in four nights. And then there's those Montreal Canadiens. They're taking on the Edmonton Oilers. So Calgary will be hoping that their arch rivals can do them a favor. That's an eight o'clock game tonight. Montreal plus 110 on the road. Edmonton back home minus 130. And the San Jose Sharks plus 195 taken on the Vegas Golden Knights at minus 233. Um, what's going on in the ball diamond tonight? We got a number of games. Uh, the Kansas City Royals, the first place Kansas City Royals have moved on after their 2 nothing win over the Blue Jays. They are taking on the Tampa Bay Rays, minus 101 for the Royals at home. Tampa Bay is at minus 111. And uh, the Cardinals, minus 110, taking on the Washington Nationals and a straight-up pick them between the Giants and Phillies. That game gets going. At 6.05, as always, our lines brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. You can check out our Twitter feed at Sports Talk WPG if you want to get a code to play with us at Cool Bet. All right. Let's welcome in. Welcome in the the man who well provided us a lot of content uh, over the course of the past twenty minutes, the culprit himself, Ken Weeb <laughs> joins us now live on the program. Ken, welcome to the program. I know it was a little unscheduled. We planned to have our normal chat on Thursday, but I appreciate you standing up and facing the music right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please, why don't you give us and our audience your your version of what happened on Saturday night? Yeah, uh, happy to do so, Huss. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I hope this isn't like when Mark Shifley and Andrew Cobb had their incident. I hope you're not revoking my friendship card. But if you are, I understand completely. Um, this was an unscheduled performance uh, or appearance, much like your voice was an unscheduled appearance on uh, on Saturday night. <laughs> Uh, in terms of context, uh, this is one one moment where you know you know I like to support you as much as I can. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk is one of my uh, few YouTube subscriptions, um, but unlike what your suggestion was, I was not listening to your voice for motivation. Though I have done that before, but not inspiration, not motivation, not, inspiration, inspiration and motivation. <laughs> uh, I do not use that during Zoom calls. Uh, unfortunately, un- unbeknownst to me. Uh, uh, I had the YouTube channel open, uh, looking at just to try to gauge how many views we had on the Adam Lowry pop-up episode from Friday's signing. Uh, somehow I went to the Zoom call and that opened uh, and your voice was uh, loudly coming out of somewhere where I couldn't understand. Uh, I certainly didn't understand it was coming out of my computer uh, just for context purposes, and again, I, I accept full blame and responsibility. Uh, I, no one could have been more embarrassed than myself that this had happened. Uh, I know that I have uh, catapulted to the top of the rankings of Zoom failures after navigating <laughs> this medium for the last 13 months pretty efficiently and effectively, I would have to say, uh, in my own personal de- defense. Uh, I may need to consult my lawyer on this one, but... Uh, I honestly had no idea what was happening. I didn't hear your voice coming out of my computer. For for a context, as I mentioned, uh, there have been times in the past where someone had a different line open, whether it was uh, you know one of the uh, one of the bigger companies where a different conference call was playing in the background. 
uh, I have to admit my first thought was some, and again, I, this is not, I, it's my fault and no one else's, but I thought perhaps that the illegal curve post game show might've been happening and they were tapping into your, uh, your resources of knowledge uh, and that maybe you were answering a question from Drew or Dave or Dave at the time. Uh, but and again, Remo, uh, this was not as simple as muting. If I had known it was coming out of my computer, I wouldn't have even had to have muted. <laughs> if I had muted myself, then my voice doesn't go through in the call. Uh, uh, embarrassingly enough, I did notice that all I had, had to do, well, after Scott Billick, my former colleague from the Winnipeg Sun, who was the voice, uh, I will reveal him and out him as the other voice <laughs> who suggested Hustler is not on the call uh, to my right, six feet away. Uh, he was the one who pointed out, I, af- <laughs> unfortunately, after the question had been asked and I had actually muted by that time, uh, was able to just, as simple as clicking the X of the YouTube channel that was open with Huster's voice on it. Um, again, uh, nothing so, but embarrassing. So to be clear, to be clear yeah. when you said, Huss, you got to mute yourself, you actually, like, you weren't purposely running, oh my the, God, running no, the bus Huss, over for me. No, I, I know. I would never do that. You actually you for- were, you were mesmerized by both the take and the situation at the same time. And oh, uh, that I was think, just the first thing that came out. I think the, t- the take from you was completely fine. I just had no idea why the take was <laughs> happening in the middle of a Mark Shifley interview. <laughs> why is Hustler doing this to me? Uh, oh, doesn't he know this could be on national TV? Like you said, I mean, oh my God, if that had gone straight to the, uh, you know, connected or sports center, uh, or, you know, again, fortunately, Hockey Night in Canada didn't have the back end of the double header because, as you mentioned, sometimes that could have gone live to TV. And now I'm thinking, oh, great. Uh, the company that I worked for. What was the that- aftermath? What was the aftermath? At, like after this happened? Oh, no problem there. No, was I'm there, happy but- to embarrass myself <laughs> further. Uh, you know, before Mark Shifley's answer was even complete, uh, I. I turned my video off in dismay immediately. I texted Gregor Buer, who was running the Zoom call, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have no idea what happened. And, uh, you know, quickly, quickly apologized. Uh, again, the last of the public apologies goes to Mark Shifley, who, as you mentioned, handled the, that beautifully. Uh, whereas, you you know, again, he must have been thinking, what is happening here? We, <laughs> we had one other on? incident, like, again, I'm not trying to deflect the blame, but we had one other similar incident <laughs> early on in the year. Uh, our, our pal Brian Munns was taping a live hit on the NHL network uh, during a Blake Wheeler interview where his voice from the corner of the press box was seeping in to the questions as well. And it was, I, I, I remember looking over in astonishment thinking, Brian, you have to be quiet. And now I've caused a similar disturbance and I, <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't be more embarrassed. Uh, I had a pretty long streak. Huss, and again, just to, just so that your you know listeners and viewers know that I'm not afraid to point the finger at myself. Uh, this was the worst public humiliation for myself uh, since the summer of 2011, uh, where in the middle of the, you know, it wasn't a Zoom call 10 years ago, in the middle of the Tanner Glass conference call, uh, I didn't know how to mute my own cell phone. And I was at a Blue Jays game right in the <laughs> middle of this call. And it absolutely blew up. The, it probably blew up your own press conference, Hustler. It probably blew up your live press conference uh, on Hustler and Lawless at the time. Where What is that sound in the background? And what is this guy doing at the Jays game? 
So, anyways, I was John trying to Donaldson up now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> now, batting the- John, exactly. Uh, thanks for taking the time, uh, Tanner. Uh, what made the Jets a good fit for you? All of a sudden, there's a roar in the background. <laughs> oh man! So, anyways, uh, you know, this is this is the beauty uh, of of the the world we live in. Um, well, once again, I, I apologize profusely, Huss. You called me when we finished <laughs> off our Kenny and Rennie postgame show, trying to get a sense of what had happened. I did my best to um, apologize. I, I, I wish, <laughs> I wish you had seen the astonished look on my face when I had, you know, had realized it was totally my fault. And as your, you know, folks have been mentioning in the chat, uh, you know, I would never back the bus over you in terms <laughs> of trying to deflect away from myself. That's not how I roll. Uh, I certainly am very embarrassed by what had happened, and I have, I think, have apologized uh, publicly to all parties. Uh, certainly, don't make a habit. I mean, Gregory, I also sent him a personal message to oh, you know, Greg. stop, stop, smear, stop <laughs> smearing the, the admin. This was the nobody's Zoom fault but my coordinator. own. <laughs> and the, point the finger right at the person that is talking right now. Uh, I have apologized profusely, and um, hopefully someone will pass it along to Mark Scheifele that the apology is going to him as well. Uh, He handled it dutifully. But, you know, I have to say, I mean, I'm not asking for people to, uh, you know, pick me back up, but I was able to ask a couple more questions effectively during the Zoom call. I had to get right back onto the horse and show people that I could really handle this technology, us, even though it certainly did not look that way at the first question out of the gate. It was admirable, and uh, listen, we know Gregory is the is he's the sheriff on these streets of oh, the hey. internet. So he uh, he's on top of things. But yes, you are right. Uh, there there is no blame to be thrown around anywhere other than squarely between the eyes of our guest that is currently with us right here on Winnipeg Sports Daily. That being Indeed. said, Ken. It was funny. It wasn't a big deal. I knew we'd have some laughs about it today. And uh, we, and we, after it happened, I'm like, oh my God, that's kind of weird. And then I realized this, this is one of the best things that's ever happened for our show because oh, we are going to have some fun with it today. And you, of course, being a good sport, I knew you'd pop on. I didn't know whether we were going to do this today or Thursday. Um, but to your credit, you face the music early. And by the time we get to Thursday, We'll probably still make a few cracks about it, but it'll basically be in the rearview mirror. Well, that's why I wanted to try again. This is trying to get ahead of the story, Hasa. You know, trying to manage the message as best that I can here. Uh, I noticed you were doing an amazing job uh, cutting a wrestling promo leading in last night, and I'm like, oh my god, do I respond now? Do I let him? I, I, I wanted to get out of the way, uh, as you know, us in the media. We never want to be part of the story. Uh, just want to tell the story. So uh, I decided to bite my tongue. I knew you were having fun with it. Uh, I didn't know that it would be a character assassination, but even in that assassination, I knew that you were joking for the most part. Uh, and again, I have for, to... for the all part, just for the record, for the record. I know, folks. I know. There, Here's there the funny was part. not one ounce of anger or anything. I, I just know. thought that it was funny. I couldn't believe you were such a knucklehead that that happened. And I realized that we were going to have some serious laughs today on the program yeah. discussing what happened and watching it a couple times too. 
Yeah, one quick one for our pal Remo. Uh, Remo, if you actually thought that I was trying to back Hustler under the bus, come on, man. You've known me long enough. I would never do that. Even if I had realized it mid-sentence, which I obviously did not, I would never look for someone else to blame other than myself. But uh, it's not like I can just go back on the Zoom call and say, and insert myself and say, oh, hey, by the way, that's all me. My bad. Uh, I'd already... <laughs> hijacked the call enough. I tried to get out of the way as best that I could, but love the wrestling promo Hus. I was watching the stone cold Steve Austin documentary last night. So that's why I figured I would just roll with the punches and let you uh, continue to cut that wrestling promo. I had to play the role of the heel in this case. And uh, it was well-deserved. There's no doubt about it. Um, well, you know what? Everything all's well that ends well. And I'm just looking in the chat right now, Ken, and we have breaking news from Gregory Liverpool. I have sent a direct message to Ken to apologize. So you know what? We're this is this is this was basically a live mediation between all parties involved. Again, Gregor, Mark Shifley, I had nothing to do with it. Ken's very sorry. And Gregory, you can go back to patrolling these internet streets. We don't need to worry. It was just a yellow card for Ken. Um, he'll be back in the lineup next game. And I, I love the, again, one of the things that I've been uh, kind of pounding home on the Kenny and Rennie post games is that I'm checking the receipts. So I love the fact that Gregory was also checking the receipts on your behalf, <laughs> Hustler. Uh, everybody needs someone looking out for them. Hey. But as you know, I'm also looking out for you and that won't change. <laughs> you got it. No. Hey, Greg's Greg's had our back since day one, as do so many of us that uh, are the folks that are with us right now. Uh, this is a great way to end Monday's show, Ken. Um, let me thank you for joining us today, impromptu. I look forward to our conversation on Thursday. And um, may you have good luck working your computer and any Zoom calls in between <laughs> now and Thursday for our next visit. Well played, my friend. Well played. Have a great week here, everyone. Oh, great stuff. There he is, the man himself, at Weeb's World. There's Ken Weeb taking his medicine and joining us live on Winnipeg Sports Daily after one of the more funny um, Zoom incidents in this COVID era we've had from Winnipeg Media. Well, Remo, that, uh, that was a lot of fun. That, I'm not sure that could have uh, worked out any better. Ken, live on the show to face the music on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily today. Should I play it one more time? Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> well, yeah, one more time, please. <clears throat> Hold on, let me get it ready. I was going to say, Ken, I mean, I, if that was me and I was in that situation, I would have for sure, you've got to do what you got to do pr to protect yourself in desperate times. <laughs> I'd be like, Huss, you got to mute yourself. What are you, you're ruining the call as you're like scrambling to, uh, to do it. So here, let me bring it up. Okay, one more time. Anyone with questions for Mark, use the raise hand function now and we'll get started. And we'll get going with uh, Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weaver. The thing is, I can say a lot of those same things. Thank you, Gregory. Hustler, you got to mute yourself. Just as maybe a little extra <laughs> offensive level. Um, I would say the Mark, same thing about what's the biggest challenge of, of going up and trying um, to contain Parma David? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. He's, so he's obviously he you know, the best player in the world for a reason. And uh, poor Shrife, he actually had to like lean his head down to make sure he was hearing Ken because of the. Uh, he's like, he's like this. He's like leaning in so hard. He's like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> that's that's oh, good. God. Ken just texted me, beautiful. Yeah, no, that was a hell of a lot of fun. Weber's a great sport, and yes, that was uh, that was funny. Um, 
absolutely no issues, whatever. Hopefully, just Ken, you know, is still in the good books of the uh, the Zoom moderator that took, you know, unfairly potentially a few shots from people online. When, as we know, who the culprit was and how it all came uh, all came down. Remo, great show today. Um, we do have a big show tomorrow. Very much looking forward to welcoming back the sports rabbi himself, our good friend, Matt Leibel, and Winnipeg native and longtime NHLer, former Hab Dale Weiss, going to join the program as well. Yeah, our second uh, NHLer mm. on the show we had, or former. We had uh, Grant Clutsam last week. We're moving on up, us. We're getting some... Uh, a-listers guests like the uh, sports rabbi as well, and we'll have we'll have him on video. The sports rabbi because we had yes, we will. That was show oh, number yeah. two, mm-hmm. uh, which seems like yesterday, but it's like a month ago, <laughs> and uh, I didn't know what I was doing then. Now we've got a handle on things. We're under control, so we'll have the sports rabbi rabbi on. Oh, oh my God! We've got just a quick late breaking sponsor announcement oh. from DQ Nick. Um. <laughs> That this is the case, but tomorrow happens to be the 20th of April. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. And you know what goes great on the 20th of April? An ice cream cake. So, as per DQ Nick, 50% off all cakes tomorrow with any purchase at DQ Northgate, the 420 special. So, uh, I don't know, maybe in for a flamethrower burger, some fries, and then take home that ice cream cake for when you're finished all of your revelry on 420. Yeah, I can be honest. Uh, Nick dropped off some stuff for my wife's birthday last month, so we've had some Dairy Queen. We uh, polished off uh, treats of pizza last week. It was incredible. So I want to give a big shout-out to Nick. I, because it's uh, April, I did want to shout an anniversary. Two years ago yesterday, it was Game 5, the dreaded Game 5 uh, Jets-Blues. With the, all, all you it. need to say is Game 5. Like, you honestly, you don't need yeah. to say who was playing Anything? Oh, game five. Yeah, we all remember. By the I way, t- it's DQ Northgate only for that, folks. That's the uh, yeah. that's where they're doing all the cakes. So DQ Northgate only for the four twenty. But uh, I tweeted a video of the Kevin Hayes play where he's about to score and took the puck out of the opposing net, and someone's like, "Why would you? Why would you tweet this?" Never. I'll never forget the feeling after that game. Uh, I went there with my dad. It was we had an awesome time, you know, with the whiteout party. Going to the game was like my first game as a fan, as a, at a playoff game. The game ended like we didn't move for like fifteen minutes. You just oh. sat there like stunned, and I think that's why that's you know you love the good times of sports, but uh, a time like that you can sit back and and laugh, but also wonder what could have been for the Jets. That was a horrible. The thing, uh, horrible the thing loss. is, and again, not to completely revisit that because it did end in misery for everyone around it was hor- here. It was horrible. But, you know, it was funny. We talked to Mike about, you know, the way the Jets ended that season and they really did sort of limp into the playoffs. Yeah. And then they you know, lost the first two games at home, if I'm not mistaken, in yeah. that series against St. Louis and were up against it and then go to St. Louis and win game three and win game four. We're up 2 nothing in game five. I, I fully believe if that Kevin Hayes puck goes in, the Jets win that game, win the series, and, and win the Stanley Cup. Talking. And, and we would and yeah, we would have been win, the Jets. Win. Well, well, I don't know about the Jets winning. Yeah. The Blues don't though. And then we would have we would have been robbed of the seminal moment of Brett Hall going. We went Blues, yeah. uh, <laughs> the drunkest guy ever at a celebration after a Stanley Cup victory in public. There's been a lot of them. We've had we do like uh, celebratory moments. I know John Quick uh, has had some good ones as well. Brad Marchand. There's always someone at the parade. So that year was 
Brett Hall was the guy, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to bring it up. I felt bad, but it was on my. Uh, you know, your uh, your phone shows you like pictures like this day and whatever year. So that one came up of like me pictures of me at before the game having a blast. So I was like, oh, I guess it is uh, two years. You didn't ago take today. a picture. You didn't take a picture at the end of the game of you and your dad sitting it's in like, stunned silence for like ten this. minutes before leaving the game. And oh, that usually we're out of there pretty quick, like trying to get to the car. You know, we don't even stay for the three stars, but uh, we sat there for a while after. Just like I can't believe what I just witnessed. Because you felt like they were gonna win, and they were like, okay, game five, and then game six was a complete no show. So it was. And then they've kind of been trying to get back to where they were before. But uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, everyone, to bring it up. But it was this day in Jets history. Yeah, that was uh, well. Here's to some much better anniversaries of days to come yeah. for the Winnipeg Jets going into the playoffs. Obviously, uh, back at it on Thursday, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And speaking of the Jets, I'm going to tease this for you. Um, what we've got a guest coming up on Wednesday on Wednesday's program that will be. Probably the most exciting guest we've ever had on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm just going to tease that. I'm just going to say you, many of you, most of you, are huge fans of this individual. And it seems like it's all working out for this individual to join us on Wednesday. So there's a little tease for you for Wednesday's show. Um, And I'm not talking about Gary Lawless, but I think Gary might be coming on on Wednesday as well. Can we a little later on this week on Thursday and tomorrow, the sports rabbi, Matt Leibel, and our pal, Dale Weiss. Um, Remo, that's about going to do it for us today. By the way, I should mention our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge um, are out. You know, it's 45-minute drive to Silver Falls. You're on the plane up and down, and they're on the water right away. Normally, June is the busiest month for U.S. travelers coming in. Obviously, that's not happening right now, Um, so maybe the best time of the year to get out on the water. So if you're thinking about a great in-Manitoba fishing experience, find out more online at um, AkinsLake.com or hit Pit up on Twitter at AkinsLake. What's on the the docket for tonight, Reem? Oh, I actually have big plans tonight. Um, I have MLB The Show. I I get to play it at like 11 o'clock, so... My PlayStation's counted down, so I'm going to have my uh, sweet Diamond Dynasty team going on that. So I think I'm just waiting in, until that. And uh, Yeah, well, actually, we've got a thank you to give out for that to um, my pal Francois from Sony, who uh, I met on Friday afterwards, and I said, hey, man, I want to buy, uh, I want to buy this game for Reem, being the great partner that I am. And he says, you know what? I love the show. I'm going to support you guys. Bang. And got us a couple of copies. So I've got the other copy. If I get my hands in a PS4, I might play it myself. Otherwise, we might do a little raffle or something here on the program going forward. But uh, I can't wait for it. And you can have a report for us tomorrow on the program as to first look at MLB The Show. The thing that I'm most excited about, this is apparently there is cross-platform playing. Mm. So someone has a PlayStation, someone has an Xbox, they can go head-to-head. And that, to me, is the biggest game-changer yet when it comes yeah, to these sports that's games. Super cool because yeah we haven't been able to play like NHL together or anything so MLB I can play against uh, anyone and I'm looking forward to some of the new uh, new modes I don't really play MLB that much but uh, I being a big baseball fan you think that I would so uh, we'll see I have a, I know I have problems as I can't tell the difference between balls and strikes in video games so real life I'm okay at that uh, you know I got the home run derby trophy to 
to prove it, but <laughs> on video games, it's a different story. Yeah, well, put it this way. There will be a Hustler versus Remus special baseball head-to-head stream coming up in the future uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily outside of our normal showtime, so we'll work on that as well. But we got to get these pods up. Big thanks to Mike McIntyre for joining us, Ryan Brandt, and especially the impromptu visit from the guilty party, Ken Weeb at Weeb's World. Um, definitely a lot of fun today, folks. Thanks to everyone that's with us. If you're still here, hit that like button if you wouldn't mind. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and spread the word about Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll be back tomorrow. Libel in the house, Dale Weiss, and more on the Winnipeg Jets and the upcoming CFL season. Expecting announcement on that tomorrow as well. Folks, thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow with another fun and exciting edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.